Galatians 6, verses 6 through 9 tonight. We're rounding the corner. We're almost done in Galatians. And so hang on tight. We're going to breeze through maybe in uh, this one and two more sermons. We'll probably be done. And then we'll be in our series on the end times. Uh, But tonight, Galatians 6, verses 6 through 9. These are such awesome verses. I think every sermon I preach, I'm preaching from unbelievable verses. But um, kind of two different subjects tonight, but sort of under the same heading. We're going to look at the law of sowing and reaping. Galatians 6, verse number 6. Oh, and why don't we stand? Since we're here to stretch, don't want you to be sleepy tonight. Galatians 6, verses 6 through 9. And you have to have your Bible. I don't have it typed out there in the notes tonight. Does anybody need an outline? Anybody need an outline at all? Nobody? Okay. Well, I won't send Sam around then if you're good. Okay. Galatians 6, verses 6 through 9. If you have your Bible, why don't we read this out loud together, okay? So all of the verses out loud, 6 through 9, ready, begin. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Lord, I pray you'd help me as I preach. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Thank you. So the principle of sowing and reaping is in a Christian's life a matter of faith. But once you put this into practice, you see how true it is, and it becomes more of a habit. A couple of statements that will come up throughout the message. First, you get out what you put in. And secondly, in your notes, where you sow an emphasis, you will reap a harvest. So a couple of points tonight. First one, the law of sowing and reaping. Number one, between a church and the preacher. Between a church and the preacher. So... This point is not as an admonition. This church is very, very good to its preacher, um, but uh, I'm going to preach it because it's here and it's next, okay? So verse number six, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. And Mountain View Baptist Church has always had a reputation way before me of being good to the man of God. I know that. Uh, Even visiting preachers that would come through uh, you always take care of, of people, and that's, that's a good reputation to have because if you had the opposite reputation, that would be known as well. But this is a good church. This is a generous church. And uh, the word that uh, communicate there, and this is in your notes, means to come into communion or fellowship with, to become a sharer, be made a partner, to enter into fellowship, join oneself to an associate, make oneself a sharer or partner. Now, that's a lot of words, but here's how the congregation communicates to the preacher two ways one in verbal communication so back and forth here it means in the context of student teacher teacher student if you've ever been a teacher it's really good to get some kind of feedback from the people you're teaching so you see they do well on their homework or they're they're tracking with you in their eyeballs or here it would be somebody comes forward in the altar or somebody's listening very well or i got a text from somebody this week in the church just saying, hey, I'm praying for you in these specific areas. We appreciate you. And I'm not trying to get those texts from you. I'm not trying to solicit that. But the spirit behind that, knowing that somebody is praying for the preacher, talking to God for me, wow, that's great. What a blessing. The other way is material goods. In this case, meeting the needs of the teacher, an expression of gratitude. And again, this is not an admonition. This church is above average, very good to me and to my family. So I appreciate you. But it's good to know why you do what you do. So you're doing very generous the right thing 
But go over to 1 Corinthians 9. So this is just why we do what we do. It's good to understand. 1 Corinthians 9. And I'll just read these verses. They're, they're sort of self-explanatory. I might make a comment or two. And I might have gone here once before when he went through 1 Timothy. I think I did. But 1 Corinthians 9, verse 7. There's a couple other references uh, in there. It should be Philippians 4, 26 through 27. I put 17, I think, in there. But uh, Anyways, verse number 7, 1 Corinthians 9 says, Who goeth a warfare at any time at his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth a flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? So in other words, when an ox is doing his job, there's grass. And so the ox is able to eat the ground that he's working. And if a shepherd has, has animals that produce milk, he's going to drink of that and so on and so forth. And so, uh, so you understand where we're going. Verse number 10, Or saith he it altogether for our sakes, for our sakes no doubt this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. So if you were a farmer, but you knew no matter how well you did and no matter how much you harvested, you'd go hungry, you wouldn't be a farmer anymore. I think that's why a lot of rural farmers aren't farmers anymore. But verse number 11, if we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? In other words, preacher sowing spiritual seed, he said, is it any big deal if we reap like food, like we have to eat, you know, if you're a full-time preacher? Verse 12, if others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? And that's true. If you read about uh, the, the, the flesh hook in the Bible, they were supposed to eat the shoulder and so forth. I didn't brush up on this before I preached, but uh, the temple workers ate part of the sacrifice that people would bring to offer in the temple, and that was how they lived. Uh, verse 14, even so hath the Lord ordained, and here's your verse, that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. And so that's the principle. And so that's why when uh, a visiting preacher comes through, uh, we take care of it. And even if it's a spontaneous, spur-of-the-moment love offering, this church always is very, very generous. And, and that will come back. There's nothing, you can't outgive God. What you give is, is heaped over given back to you. And I'm not saying that I don't need a thing, okay? This church is very, very generous, but I wanted to preach that since it's there, okay? So uh, go back to Galatians chapter 6, verse number 6. And let me say this too. Be good to preachers. I would have said this very boldly two years ago. I say it humbly now since I am a full-time preacher. Uh, I guess I've been a preacher since I was 12, since I surrendered and started preaching a little bit here and there. But now that I'm a full-time preacher, I, I, you understand how it's kind of awkward to say, be really, really good to preachers when you are a preacher. You know, like be good to plumbers and you are a plumber. But it's a little bit different here. Um, but, you know, you should en encourage preachers i got to meet lots of preachers the last two nights of those revivals and and i'm just conditioned to do all i can to just be good to preachers and be nice to them just to go overboard uh never ever criticize and i'm not please don't misunderstand what i'm saying but i'm saying is say this there are fewer and fewer preachers being produced i've had two churches in the last week week and a half contact me or indirectly somebody looking for them do you know of anybody looking for a church to pastor and i've had to say no because I, I really don't, anybody that is really looking, and I've even tried to lower my standards in my mind for who I would consider, and I can't think of anybody, I really can't, that's qualified and even interested, or even interested, honestly, to be honest with you. Uh, I found out recently that uh, a, a good Bible college, like today is a good Bible college, um, not one that I've probably mentioned before, but they only have two or three people, they said, that are qualified and ready to go to pastor a church somewhere, 
I found out today another uh, prominent historical Bible college has shut down their ministerial program in favor of a more liberal arts degree and and you know whatever but uh, what will make a difference in this world is preaching is preachers and uh, and whatever God has called you to do you should do it and you should not be ashamed of it of course whatever God's called you to do that's God's will for your life but I am saying this the preachers that are out there we have to encourage and I don't know if God is calling fewer preachers I don't know if that's possible for there to be more people than ever before and there to be fewer preachers than ever before and fewer Bible colleges being started and uh, more big colleges kind of starting to tend more towards liberal arts and textual criticism instead of just preaching the word of God. God's plan to reach the world for Christ is preaching. And uh, the smarter people get, the more they will belittle preaching. Smarter, you understand, I mean educated, not actually smarter. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, and I've been in, in many churches, and I don't make a big deal about this. I mean, I, I'm nobody. I'm literally nobody. But uh, growing up, my uh, dad was an evangelist since I was 10. So he would be in a different church, at least one different church per week. A lot of times a different church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, or a week-long revival or missions conference or something. And I would usually go with him. And uh, I would, uh, when I got to be maybe an older 15, 16, I'd stay at home because I had my own ministries, bus route and so forth. But uh, still like foreign countries. And when I got a little bit older, a young adult, I get to preach in a lot of foreign countries to like the teenagers and all of that. And I've seen a lot of pastors. And then in college, taking a whole summer and being in probably six different churches a week. Uh, and then every weekend after that for a school year, being in a different church. And you can tell the pastors that are encouraged by their congregation. You can just tell the spirit. You can, I just can't explain it. But you, I think you know what I mean. The spirit in that church and going out to eat with the pastor after, if he's excited about the ministry. And everyone's responsible for their own response and their own walk with God, even preachers, you and preachers. But you can tell kind of when they're the, the fatalist, discouraged mentality you can tell that they don't have a lot of people texting them saying i'm praying for you and again i'm not trying to solicit that from you okay but uh and and you don't know and, and you know they're not really that taken care of when you see you know just and, and i could go on and on about that but but let's encourage one another and let's encourage preachers by the way wouldn't it be great if a preacher would come out of this church wouldn't that be wonderful if God would call a young man or an old man, any man, anybody, to preach the word, because they're out there. It's not like the fields are picked over and there's nothing to do. There are churches established right now, desperate for a man of God to just come fill the pulpit. Not some flashy dude or whatever, but just somebody who's qualified, kept himself pure, and ready to go to preach the Bible. And beyond that, there are fields wide unto harvest that have no thresher in that field right now. There's nobody... Uh, uh, picking that grain, okay? There's nobody uh, reaping that harvest, right? There's no church here. There's many churches, praise God. There's many places that aren't. We need preachers. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians one twenty three, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block and under the Greeks foolishness. Let me read you a few more. Acts 5.42, and daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Romans 10.8, but what saith it? The word is nigh unto thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith, which we preach, 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. 1 Corinthians 9.16, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Titus 1.3, talking about God's plan, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto them which are saved, it is the power of God. We need preachers. 
And where do preachers come from? They come from Bible-preaching churches like this one. They're not going to come out of the Civic Center or from other clubs or from dead churches. They're going to come from churches. And we need preachers. If you ever hear somebody say, well, I might like to be a preacher one day. I heard somebody recently say, I would never want my kid to be a preacher. What a life. Your, 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 your world is a glass house is what they said. And I'm like, what are you saying? Stop saying that. You're, you have a child who's a young man. Uh, nobody here. Nobody in this church. And uh, it just it bothers me because we need preachers. We need preachers. And you know what? Your, your, your job has pitfalls and your job has hard days. Preachers that too. Wine, wine, wine. Okay? So just if God calls your person, your child to be a preacher, praise God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. We need preachers. We need preachers. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, this is more practical tonight. The law of sowing and reaping in our spiritual walk. In our spiritual walk. The law of sowing and reaping. Verse 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Man, if you don't have these verses memorized, just, whoa, these are such good verses. For whatsoever a man saith, soweth, excuse me, that shall, do I have it memorized? For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. This is one of those immutable, unchanging, unchangeable truths that really, if you can grasp and you allow to penetrate your life and you apply it, it will change your life. It's one of the secrets of life for, for anybody, but especially for the child of God. First, let me get these two things clear. First, I want to show you the plain meaning of salvation here. Sowing to the flesh, as in if a person in this life does everything that they know to do, everything good, wonderful things, but they're doing it to the flesh, they'll of the flesh reap corruption, which is death, which is really the end of anything temporal or temporary, carnal, fleshly. Everything you see right now in front of you, this is all carnal, fleshly. This, these bones, the skin, this body, it'll all disintegrate, it'll go away, it'll, it'll decompose, uh, uh, corruptible. It's corruptible, it means it's temporary, one day. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall have the Spirit reap life everlasting. A man or a woman, boy or girl, who responds to the Holy Spirit's conviction in his or her heart, and accepts Jesus Christ by faith as their personal Savior, life everlasting, okay? And then further, the second uh, understanding here, is that the child of God then, that invests in their spiritual walk, will have eternal rewards from that. But everything that you invest in that's temporary, that's fleshly, that's carnal, corruption, okay? Eventually, the end of everything temporary is an end. Everything carnal has an end. Everything temporary uh, has an end. Uh, so to corruption, Okay? So here's a few principles tonight. Oh, please listen. I know it's sleepy time and I know it's warm, all that, okay? But listen, you always reap what you sow. You always reap after you sow. And you always reap more than you sow. Now, you've planted things before. You plant a little bitty seed in a pot and you get much more than that seed, okay? You always reap what you sow. You put a little watermelon seed in a styrofoam cup, a daffodil is not going to come out of there. It's never going to happen, okay? What's going to come out? A watermelon, right? You reap what you sow every time. It's a law. You reap after you sow, later. You put a little watermelon seed in the cup, and it's not going to come. Boom, right then. Now, when a child plants something, they're waiting, right? Okay, plant it in there, and they watch. They're waiting. They water a little bit. They look the next day. It might take a while, depending on what it is, but it's going to be later, always later. Okay, stay with me. And you always reap more than you sow, right? You reap what you sow, after you sow, and more than you sow. Where you sow an emphasis, 
you will reap a harvest. I put a few verses in there for you to look at later. One of them is 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly. Talking about giving to others. That's not really where the application is here tonight, but it's the true principle. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Whatever you invest in tonight, you will see results in. I uh, remembered a, uh, a good quote in, in the book, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. It's, or how effective, it's a very, very good book by Stephen Covey. You look it up. Um, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. Now, I put those in your notes because it's hard to follow. I'm going to read one more time. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. It really matters what you invest in. It matters what you think about. It matters what you do because you're sowing seeds. It's all sowing. And you're going to reap what you sow. You'll reap later, but you'll reap more than you sow. And the harvest is delayed. Think about that. The harvest is always delayed. The bad stuff in your life, you will reap. It says in verse number seven, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Don't kid yourself. The things that you spend your time thinking about or looking at that are displeasing to God or doing, it will catch up to you. And, and sin always is deceitful, but God is not deceived. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Whatever you sow, you will reap. You'll think, man, this is not going to affect me. I can get by with this just a little bit here and there. What you sow, it will come back to bite you. It will reap. Be not deceived. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Uh, deceived means to be led astray. Don't be deceived. And also, though, to be encouraged, the good stuff you'll reap too. Look at verse number 9. And let us not be weary or tired in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Sometimes you might look at your, your, your children. I don't know. Your children and, and you think, is anything I say getting through? Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Or you might uh, be at your job and you might be doing the very best you can do and you don't seem like you're getting ahead be not deceived, be, or excuse me, uh, uh, let us not be weary in well-doing. Keep on keeping on, keep on, keep on. Or, or, or you might have handed out a, a few tracks and people laughed at you and mocked you. I handed out one last night and it was, um, it was after I preached and I went to a restaurant and I gave this uh, girl a track and I don't know what it is. It's, it's, it just makes me laugh at this point because I'm, I'm just to the point now where I think I'm old enough that I don't care to be cool anymore because I have kids, I have a wife. What's the difference, right? If you think I'm cool or not, it's, if, I, if I think I'm cool, then I'm good with that, right? <laughs> you know? And so, and she was uh, one of those uh, maybe 19 or 18, I don't know, and she looked at it, and she's like, okay. <laughs> it's, just, it's just hilarious to me, the interpersonal skills some people have. Um, but uh, but, but yeah, that's, that's cool with me. I don't care, right? Because I was obedient there. I knew that God wanted me to give the gospel in the hands of this girl, and now she's got it. And she, she, was, she was obligated to respond like that to an adult. I understand that. So, um, but, but uh, you know, uh, keep on, keep on. Uh, invite that person to church again that said, well, maybe later, and kind of giving you the brush off politely. Keep inviting. You don't know if the next time you invite will be the time that they're getting a little bit of conviction or they've got a death in their family or, or a prayer request on their heart or where you just wore them down or something. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You know, one day you're going to stand face to face the Lord Jesus Christ and all that stuff that you invested in that seems important now uh, it'll kind of fade away. The things of earth will go strangely dim and you'll wish that you'd given them more. Don't be weary in well-doing. Uh, and so let us not consider the seed you are sowing today. Consider what you give your time to, where you sow an emphasis in your life. 
And this can be applied, honestly, to about everything you have going on. Right here could be, you could teach this at a business seminar. This could be to anybody. You think about where you want to be and start with the end in mind. Where do you want to be at your job in five years? Okay, this is a biblical principle. Some people have said, a oh, karma and so forth, whatever. No, it's a biblical principle, okay? Don't take it from God. Um, uh, karma's garbage, okay? It has to, it's wrong, okay? Don't say karma. It has to do with Hinduism, which is a false religion, okay? But anyways, um, it has to do with getting out of being uh, a reincarnated, okay? So don't use karma. A lot of people, a lot of Christians even say, bad karma, no, stop saying that. Um, anyways, uh, you know, okay, so you look at where you want to be in five years at your job. All right, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. What are you doing today to make that happen in your uh, marriage? What do you want out of your marriage? Really, I say, what do you want? What does God want? That's really, we ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's fine, but what does God want you to be? That's the question we have to be asking, right? What is God's will for your life? Have you prayed about that? And then parents support it, whatever it is. God's will, then if that's God's will, let's go for it, you know? Uh, anyways, uh, what, your, your spouse, if you want a good relationship, I want a good marriage. I want to enjoy my spouse. Well, then invest in that, right? Do something spontaneously wonderful for your spouse. You want to have kids that grow up and serve the Lord. Invest in that. Where you sow an emphasis, you will reap a harvest. Um, I think I've told this silly little illustration before. It shows my own carnality a little bit, so it'll be good. Uh, uh, when we were married, just maybe three or four years, I don't know, Kara and I, we were uh, gathered together, and my family, my extended family, all came for uh, a holiday Christmas, and it, it was, it was kind of staggered where all the family got together, where the only day that we were all going to be together was on a Sunday, right? And we went to church, some of us did Sunday morning, those who wanted to go. Uh, you know, there's always a few stragglers in every family, right, that doesn't care for it, but we went to church Sunday morning, such as would. And uh, then Sunday afternoon, we hung out, we had some lunch, but then Sunday night, we were going to go see the Christmas lights. And I thought, well, it's Sunday night, but uh, I, don't, I don't live here, I'm not at my home church, it's just one night, and it's the only night we're all going to be together, Sunday night, and uh, Kara, privately, she's, she is the perfect wife. I, we, I talked about two other people today, what a blessing she is. Um, but uh, uh, she had a holy cow to me, privately. She said, we're going to go see the Christmas lights on Sunday night. And this is before I wasn't on staff at a church. I was, but volunteer, you know. And uh, we were, I was on vacation. I was, uh, had vacation days in. I was away, all right? I was relaxing with the family. And she said, she said, what are you teaching our children? I think we had joy. Maybe Noel was a baby. What are you teaching our children? And I pushed back, of course, a little bit. But eventually I gave in because she's right. What am I teaching my children if I say twinkle, twinkle is better than going to church Sunday night? Uh, we have some people watching uh, my kids, and we go on vacation here in about three weeks. And I was like, I know you will. Just make sure they go to church Wednesday night because they will notice, and they will comment, and they will tell people, and they will be discouraged and confused by that. And so I had determined as a teenager to always be in church whenever there was church. But then, you know, along the way, you get a little flexible. And, and, uh, but, but she was very convicting to me. The Holy Spirit used her. Maybe she thought she was the Holy Spirit, but she's absolutely right. What am I teaching the kids? And I want them to, uh, I would love for them to be, you know, successful CEOs, get an academic scholarship, athletic scholarship, I want them to be good at soccer, I want them to be good at everything. I'd love for them to be billionaires, but if they did all of that, if they did all of that, but they weren't faithful to God, I would feel like I was a miserable failure. I would not be pleased with my kids. But if they were faithful to God, and they live in a hut in Africa, but they're doing what God wants them to do, I am happy out of my mind. That's what I want for my kids. And so I'm working backwards then. All right, we're going to emphasize 
for our kids what we want for them, what we believe God wants for them. And I, whatever God wants for them, I want them. But I know that he wants the revealed will. We're going to be faithful. Kara and I, we're going to love each other, at least when they see. We're going to be, no, I'm just kidding. No, we're going to love each other. We're going to try to model the marriage that, that, that they should have, right? And, and you go on and on and on with that. But you start with the end in mind. You say, Lord, what would you have for me today? What am I investing, right? What am I investing? Where you sow an emphasis, you will reap a harvest. Where you sow an emphasis, you'll reap a harvest. So we're working backwards. I see the time. I'll wrap it up. Whatever you're looking for the harvest to be in the future, you have to sow those seeds today. The law of sowing and reaping is is unchanging. It's unchangeable. Whatever you're sowing today, you will get. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the word of God. Thank you for this wisdom that we find in the Bible. Lord, I pray that you'd forgive us where we sow to, to our flesh and we know it's it's corruption. It's going to end. It's not going to have any eternal significance or rewards, Lord, but I pray that you'd help us to sow where we need to, Lord. I thank you for this church and the wonderful blessing they are to me. Thank you for the privilege to be able to pastor this church. Brother Sam, if you can make your way to the piano. If God spoke in your heart, let's stand together where you are with your heads bowed and eyes closed. We'll just take a moment, just a brief moment, but if God spoke into your heart, do business with God for just a moment as the piano plays.